thank you to Kenneth Copeland Ministries for sowing the airtime for this broadcast. There's enough power in every sick room and in every hospital room to raise up that sick one that may be describing you. Yes, you yes. may be in a sick room. Yeah. You may be in a hospital room. And I want to remind you, power is present. That power is there to do a work. Believe in what's present, not try to get something, but notice that he's already made it yours. It's present right where you're at. Say, I receive that power. I receive that power. I receive it right now. I receive it right now. From the top of my head. The top of my head. To the soles of my feet. The soles of my feet. We are so glad to welcome you today to today's broadcast. I have a studio full of people, and uh, I'm so glad you're joining us. And I tell you what, the Word, it will answer the needs of our life. And so we invite you, get hold of your Bible, get a notepad, pen, pencil, or some device, whatever you use to take notes. Um, write down things that God may say to you, things that seem to stand up to you. Because when, uh, when something stands up, it's because we're going to need it or we are, we need it now, or we're going to need it when something stands out to us. And we want to write that down. Turn with me, if you would, in your Bibles, John chapter 17 and verse one. Yesterday we started this direction and we want to invite you that if you were not with us and didn't view yesterday's, go back and watch the previous episode. It'll help you because I'd love to just repeat everything the same because I, I love, I, I love ministering this direction. And so, but I don't want to have to repeat everything, but we'll, we'll repeat what we need to, to get you caught up a little bit. John chapter 17, verse one. Um, this entire chapter is Jesus praying. And it reads, These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy son, that thy son also may glorify thee. Now think of this. What an important time this was for Jesus to be able to say the time has come. He has arrived at this point he was born for. Now don't misunderstand me. Everything that he fulfilled uh, was in the plan of God to be fulfilled during his earthly ministry. Yes. But he didn't, he came to die. Yes. He was born to die. Yes. And so he recognizes the hour is come. What an intimate statement these people, these disciples are getting to hear. No other time had they ever heard Jesus say, the hour is come. That's a momentous occasion. And this is what he's saying to his father. He's saying the hour is come. Glorify thy son, that thy son also may glorify thee. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. That's what he came to bring is eternal life. Not just better behavior. Yeah, not just elevated finances. He came to bring life. And not just natural life, life that's eternal. Eternal life. Look at verse three, and this is what is our golden text. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Well, if you're born again, you do know him. You know him as father. 
you know Jesus is Savior. But even more, there's a greater knowing that can happen. And that comes through fellowship with God. Um, <clears throat> when my husband and I met, I'll go ahead and tell a little bit about how when we met and how, uh, how our marriage, uh, how it played out when we got married. Um, I had been in a relationship a short time, just a few weeks before I met and married my husband. And uh, I had locked myself up in my apartment and I spent hours a day praying in the Holy Ghost because I knew I had been out of the will of God. Um, I just didn't know what the will of God was. I didn't know where to go from where I was. So I committed, I took an hour and you know, uh, I didn't do this to, to make it a law because you know, you turn your fellowship with God, you turn it into a bunch of rules and laws. It, 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 it kills the fellowship of that. You know, the letter of the law kills, but the spirit gives life. You have to do these things based on what's in your heart and not just by the letter of the law. And it becomes a rigid thing. But because I needed, I needed to start living more accurately to where I was walking out his plan. So I put in place, I'm going to take an hour, I'm going to take an hour and I'm going to worship God just for an hour a day. The next hour, I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to feed with him. I'm going to feed on my word. The rest of the time, I'm going to take time to pray in the spirit. Why? Because the spirit, uh, he knows what I need. When I pray in the spirit, when you pray in the spirit, God doesn't, it doesn't set God to planning. It sets you to hearing the plan. It positions you to hear. We don't pray to get God to do something. We pray so that we can hear what he has already planned before you were ever born. And I needed to position myself and take time to hear. Speaking in other tongues in the spirit God talk. First Corinthians chapter 14 verse two says that, um, that when we speak in an unknown tongue, we're not speaking unto men. We're not even speaking to ourselves, but we're speaking to God. And it says, but no man understandeth him, Howbeit in the spirit, he speaketh mysteries. If something's a mystery to you, it's not a mystery to him. Talk to the one who nothing's a mystery to. <laughs> so that you can know things about your life. Yes. Know things about your future. Yes. I knew I did not know what I needed to know about the next steps to take in my life. Right. I had been off course. Yes. I needed to know where the right course was. And so I took time to pray in the Holy Ghost. So I locked myself up and I spent time worshiping in the word, praying in the Holy Ghost. I did that hours a day. For three weeks solid, at the end of three weeks, my brother and I attended a meeting there in Tulsa. At that meeting, I was introduced to a man by the name of Ed Dufresne. Um, we saw each other just at that meeting, and then the next night, there was that meeting continued, so we saw each other there, but we did not have much interaction together. Well, there was somebody there, the minister, one of the minister's wives who thought Ed and I would make a good couple. <laughs> so they got involved. They called him, they called me and got us together. To make a long story short, after, two weeks after we met, Ed started calling me. 
And uh, so he came and we, we went on a date. We had a couple of dates and just in a couple of dates, God spoke to me and said, he's going to be your husband. And it asked me to marry him. And so five weeks after we met, we got married. We were only in communication for three of those five weeks because the first two weeks after we met, we weren't in communication. So we only knew each other three weeks, but from the time he first called me to the time we got married. And then he was in Europe for nine of those three, nine days of those three weeks. That's not your setup probably. <laughs> Don't try to make that happen. Ours is the exception. It is not the rule. There were a lot of reasons why God operated that way and handled that way with us. That's the exception. Don't try to have something dramatic like that. You know, just let God put your situation together. But anyway, I said all that to say this. When my husband first started calling me, after we had been introduced, we could talk easily. I was not in the sense I was not in love with him. I enjoyed our fellowship. I enjoyed the time with him. So um, he told, he called me the first time he called me. He had been, he lived in Tulsa at the time. I lived in Tulsa, but he had come out to California to preach. Now, previously he had had a church in Torrance, California. Then he had moved to Tulsa. He had come back to California to hold meetings at a big conference. And uh, so that night he had called me from California at this meeting he was doing. And he, I said to him, well, what did you preach on tonight? And he said, I preached on this, that faith is a fellowship with God. Yes. I've never forgotten that. Faith is a fellowship with God. Um, many times people are struggling with their faith because they lack fellowship with the Father. Um, I was saying it on the previous episode. Relationship and fellowship are two different things, and we need to know that difference because um, John talks about fellowship. But relationship is a husband and wife that's a relationship, but there's to be fellowship within that relationship. God is, if you're born again, God's your father, you're his child, that's your relationship, but that's not your fellowship. Your fellowship is your communion within that relationship. You can have a relationship with somebody and not even enjoy any fellowship within that relationship. How many times you see marriages fall apart because their fellowship fell apart? If the fellowship falls apart, very likely the relationship can fall apart and they end up divorcing. They're no longer husband and wife. Now the relationship is affected because the fellowship was not tended to properly. It's the same thing with our father. Why would people ever backslide? It's a fellowship issue. It's a fellowship issue. If you protect your fellowship, your faith will thrive. Mm -hmm. Why? Because one way you fellowship with God is based on his word. You fellowship with God, not simply out of your emotions, but you fellowship with him based on the word, based on your time of communion with him in prayer. Right? And so um, faith can be described in different ways, but one way of describing faith is faith is a fellowship. Yes. Faith is fellowship with God. When someone's 
Fellowship with God is thriving. Mm -hmm. Their faith can flourish. When someone's fellowship with God is being neglected, their faith is going to show that up. They're going to struggle with their faith. They're going to struggle with their faith. Uh, The more we know the Father Mm -hmm. through the Word and through prayer, because we can't know Him through emotions. Can't know Him through feelings. Now, don't misunderstand me. You get in times of fellowship with the Father, and I tell you what, you'll you'll weep in His presence. But you don't know Him because you wept. You know Him because His Word reveals Him to you. And He reveals Himself to you by His Spirit and through His Word. Amen. 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 But those who have a thriving, robust faith, they have a thriving, robust fellowship. Because you cannot separate faith and fellowship. So many times people are trying to learn all the scriptures. Listen, it's right to know the script. It's right to get them in you. But talk to God about his word. Fellowship with God based on his word. God said that to me years ago. He said to me, talk to me about my word. Don't just read it as a book. It is the father talking to you. It is, see it as him having a personal private discussion with you. And um, this is what God brought back to me in, in describing and in teaching on fellowship is um, our faith needs fellowship yes. with the Father. Yes. If we're born again, we're in relationship, but that doesn't mean we're enjoying the fellowship. And how sad when people get married and never enjoy their fellowship. They're combative within the marriage, strife in the marriage, contention in the marriage, and their fellowship is injured. Yet the relationship is, they're still husband and wife. That's the relationship. But the fellowship is neglected. The fellowship is subtracting from their life instead of adding to their life. Go with me, if you would, to Psalm chapter 43. Psalm chapter 43 in verse 3. And I'm going to read out the Amplified Classic Translation. Psalm 43, verse 3, it reads, Oh, send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Well, how many of you know his word is his truth? And he gives us light or revelation of that truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling place. What does that mean? Well, see, under the old covenant, we don't turn toward a holy hill or a mountain, right? right? As, right. as in the old covenant, it was a location. But now it's, it's speaking about his presence. Right. So we could say it this way and still be correct. Send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me into your presence. Yes. We could read it that way and still be correct, Right. Verse four, then will I go to the altar of God, to God, this is what I'm after, to God, my exceeding joy. Look at that. He is our joy. (laughs) He is our joy. Because he is our joy, everything that flows out of him is joyous. Everything of our life as long as he is, is, as long as we're seeking first the kingdom of God, putting him first, then everything else is a joy in life. It's swallowed up by the joy of him. Bad circumstances get overridden by the joy of him. (laughs) 
So notice, I love this phrase, God is our exceeding joy. He's not just a joy, he is an, he is an exceeding joy. That you think you enjoyed that house, you think you enjoyed that car, not like you, you can enjoy him. You think you enjoy good health, not like you can enjoy him. I mean, the joy of him exceeds the joy of everything else. And not only that, the joy of him exceeds by far the opposition of everything else. Because there are things that oppose you, but you don't have to give them attention when his joy is waiting for you. The joy of his fellowship. That you can turn toward his fellowship and away from your circumstance and enter into a place and a flow of joy. (laughs) Ah, this stuff is too fun and too good. He is my exceeding joy. Amen. It's him. It's him. And I will never exchange him for something that will never fill me the way he fills me. There's no joy like him. There is no joy like him. This is why when my husband left this earth unexpectedly, I enjoyed my husband but the greatest joy of my life never left because God is my exceeding joy. That's why joy did not leave my life when, when my husband exited. I enjoyed the fellowship of my husband, but still the exceeding joy, the joy that exceeds every other fellowship, the joy that exceeds every other flow of your life can never be taken from you. And it's him. It's God himself. Ah! How can I bang on this table and make it? (laughs) I mean, taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen. I was saying this in the in the previous episode. To enjoy his fellowship is not about an earning, it's about a turning. You don't earn his fellowship by praying enough, reading your Bible enough, you turn toward him. No one has ever turned toward God and him not met them there. Anytime you turn toward God, he's waiting to fellowship with us. Every time. Now, what would be sad is we don't turn. We're turned toward our job. We're turned toward circumstances. We're turned toward our need. Or we're turned toward our flesh. Or we're turned toward what we feel instead of the one who is awaiting our exceeding joy. Now, no wonder Jesus stated in John 17 verse 3, He said, and this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and know his son, know Jesus Christ. This is to be our greatest thrill and our greatest joy is knowing them, our Father and our Savior. And we have the divine Holy Spirit to lead us into the fellowship with them. Amen. Amen. Ah, the best life. Enjoying, as I said, enjoying the fellowship of the Father is not by an earning, it's by a turning. And we can see that. Listen, it doesn't take you but a moment to turn. You could have been off course for 40 years of your life and in one moment turned toward God and he's there waiting for you to bring you back into fullness, the sweetest and the joy of fellowship with him. He's All he's doing is waiting for a turn. That's all he's doing, waiting for a turn. I purpose to in the morning get up. The moment I get up, I turn. I turn toward him. How do I do that? I turn toward my spirit. I pay attention to the divine flow in me and I start worshiping him from my spirit. Not a mental thing, not an emotional thing. And I just turn toward my spirit. Why? Because he's in there. He's in you. The greater one is in you. I turn toward the the greater one inside. 
I turn my attention his way. Amen. Amen. Look at it with the prodigal son. He uh, left the father's household on purpose. Thought, I want to see what else is out there. And he found out what was out there stripped him of everything he had. (laughs) Took everything. It didn't just take his money. It took his peace. It took his joy. It took his inheritance. It took his future. It took everything from him. But the Bible said he came to himself. (laughs) Thank God, as long as you're breathing, you can still turn, come to yourself. <laughs> What's that mean? Come back to right thinking. And so he turned toward the direction of home. And he said, when I get home, he said to himself, when I get home, I'll repent. I'll repent to my father. I won't even ask him to receive me as a son. Just receive me as a servant. Let me just work. Let me just work around you. So he goes toward home. Before he reaches home, the father's watching. He's looking for him. How come you can just turn and be right in the father's presence? Because he's watching for you. He's, his attention, his affection is ever in your direction. And all he's waiting for, if you'll turn and look the same direction. So when the prodigal son was going that direction toward home, he hadn't even reached home. And the father saw him coming from afar off and took off running for him. See, the, the, the prodigal son had not yet earned anything, right. but he turned yes. and the father met him. No one has ever turned toward God and God not met him there. And once the, the son reached the father, what happened? The father, well, he repented, which he should have. You know, it's appropriate to take responsibility for when you miss it. It's appropriate. But when you, if it's first John one, nine, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us. And what's this cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The blood makes it as though we never missed it. The blood puts us back as though we had never missed it. The clean, we're clean again. We're clean again. That's why your, your fellowship with God can thrive because you're clean, not because you've earned something. But his blood purchased something. You didn't earn a thing. I didn't earn a thing. And so um, when the the son came back to the father and he repented, what did the father do? He said, put the ring on him. (laughs) Put the coat on him. What's that? I want everybody to know I welcome him back. I receive him back. Those are outward demonstrations of the father's acceptance of the father's love, of the father's possessions are now on him. Don't you touch him. You've touched those possessions. You've touched the father because the father gave him something. And then he threw a party, invited everybody. He's not ashamed of him. He's not ashamed of him. The elder brother, when he came back to the field, he wouldn't go in to the party. And the elder brother started saying to the father, don't you know what this son has done? And he started telling what the son had done. And the father wouldn't even enter into that conversation with him. He would not. All he said to the elder son, because the elder son said, you never did all that for me. And he said, son, you never left me. All that I have is thine. All of this could have been enjoyed all along because you never left me. You know, there, there are many Christians who uh, we've stayed with God in the sense of we've served him. We've loved him. We have obeyed him, but we've not 
always enjoyed him as he was available to us. We could have. We could have just enjoyed our time with him. Not just, listen, I, I so enjoy the work of the ministry. I so enjoy it, but it's still not him. I, it will not substitute for fellowship with him. I, I want to fellowship with the Lord of the work. Amen. Know him. And so um, I say that with the prodigal with the prodigal son to show you that as, as soon as he turned, God met him. His fellowship was right back intact. He didn't have to wait a day. He didn't have to wait a week before the father would even show his face in public with him. The moment he showed back up, call a party. We're going to have a good time. Why? One turn set everything back into place. Uh, Never be afraid of what God tells you to do or instructs you to do that will bring that turn about. Sometimes it's make a correction. Get out of that wrong relationship. Don't go to that wrong place. Why? Because it turns us away from God instead of toward Him. Since He is our exceeding joy, let's not exchange Him for something lesser. Let's not exchange our fellowship with him when we could be fellowshipping with him for something that will not bring us lasting joy. We cheat ourselves. I said we end up cheating ourselves. You know, you may be watching today and you may say, Pastor Nancy, I remember a time that I belonged to him. I I obeyed him. I loved him. I served him, but I've turned my back on him. I want you to know it's so easy to come back. Yeah. It is so easy because he is so, he's watching. Yeah. He's watching for you to make a turn. Yeah. You just turn toward his direction. I guarantee you, he will meet you there. Yeah. In that turning, he will meet you. You say, Pastor Nancy, how do I turn? First John 1, 9, if we confess our sin. What sin is it for the backslider? Father, I confess I walked away from fellowship with you. I broke fellowship with you. God will never break fellowship with you, but you can break fellowship with him. Amen. And so you can come back into right fellowship, say, Father, I sinned. I broke fellowship with you. And uh, I receive your forgiveness. I receive the blood that cleanses me. Just that simple. Amen. Or you may say, Pastor Nancy, I, I don't remember a time that I've ever received him into my fellowship, that I've ever called him Lord. The word says, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Just that simple. Say, Jesus, I receive you as my Savior. And because I do, I'm a child of God now. And you cleanse me from all sin. And you give me a brand new start. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, we're teaching out of this book, His Presence Shall Be My Dwelling Place. Because that's what he offers us. Not just to visit with him, to dwell in his fellowship and in his presence. So go to our website at deframeministries.org. Let us know that you want to get your copy and we'll get it right out to you. And until next time, remember this, Jesus is the healer. God bless you. To watch or listen to today's message and other messages by Nancy Dufresne, visit DufresneMinistries.org. In this powerful book, His Presence Shall Be My Dwelling Place, Nancy Dufresne teaches how to be more aware of the presence of God on a daily basis. Order this book now at DufresneMinistries.org. 
Come join us for our Dufresne Ministries Miracle Crusade in Tulsa, Oklahoma at The Rock Church, April 16th through the 20th. For more information and to register, visit our website at DufresneMinistries.org. We trust you've enjoyed this message. Visit us at DufresneMinistries.org to learn of our upcoming meetings, share your testimony, submit a prayer request, or visit our online store. Thank you to the friends and partners of Dufresne Ministries for making this production possible.